I'm Chris. And I'm Andrew, and welcome to the second episode of Video Games Cover to Cover. I got to... I, I've actually completed Besaid at this point. I am right after all of the Besaid stuff. In the interest of full disclosure, I actually restarted the entire game this week. As because the strategy guy that we were looking at was very had so little detail that I ended up missing things and my percentage was off. And because of that, I just decided to completely restart the game. So I played (laughs) almost the entirety of chapter one in the last two days. I also had to restart as of yesterday. Uh, I realized specifically when Chris and I were having the conversation about him restarting, I realized that I had also possibly messed up and skipped a cutscene in the beginning. I don't know if you remember in the first episode, I said something about having to do the beginning three or four times because of crashes and other issues. And I was pretty positive that I had accidentally skipped the opening cutscene on the run that I actually used. And turns out that doesn't, that, that means you don't get the proper credit. Yeah. And the guide was not super clear about not skipping anything. And so because of that, I definitely messed up something somewhere. Because there's this one part uh, where you have to listen to this Mocklin guy, who was the same dude who just went on and on and on and on in the first game in just about every city. He's the older guy that was explaining that area. And he just prattled on for like 10 freaking minutes. And because I didn't have sound on, Because I was playing it while Ariel was, like, watching a TV show or something. I saw Please Go On kept coming up on my screen. And I thought that meant that he had stopped his conversation. I thought that had meant that he had stopped his conversation. And that was allowing you to, hey, you know, keep going. I want to hear the rest of your story. No, that was one of two options to get him to hurry up and continue his story and get through it faster. And you're supposed to just sit there and ignore that the entire time. And the guide was not super clear on that, and the game was not very clear on that. Yeah, it probably would have been more clear if I had had the actual sound on, so it's definitely, I I would say that's more my fault than the actual games. But on that same standpoint, I thought it was weird that there were two options to get him to keep going. Instead of having an option of just sit and wait, there were two options for make the story end faster. And from a game standpoint, where listening to every single uh, conversation, I thought that that was kind of an odd design choice, that there were even options to skip things. And it kind of makes it really annoying, especially when you need to... I actually went back and did that part three or four times in different orders because I thought that that's maybe where my percentage was messed up. But I had clearly messed something else up earlier and I just didn't realize it. So I ended up listening to that guy for, I don't know, six complete times. Which Oh my God. It's not actually 10 minutes. I think it's more around like five-ish. But yeah, 
that super sucked. It's and a I really hated. long time for just sitting there and like when I was doing it, when I redid it, I basically put the controller down and went and got a drink of water and came back. Exactly what I did. I put the controller down. I went up and and milled around the house a bunch. So that way I was just doing other things because I'm sitting there thinking this sucks. I, I will say um, what I what I want to do first, uh, because we didn't get a chance to do it at the end of the last episode. I wanted to go through some expectations that I had. Uh, and at the time I was, I had just finished uh, Mushroom Rock. Actually, no, I hadn't done Mushroom Rock at all. Uh, yeah, I think you were just getting there last time. Yeah. And part of that is because I, at first, was having kind of a bad time. I didn't, I don't, I don't want to say that I didn't like the game, but there were aspects, specifically like I had mentioned in the last episode, the uh, ATB, ATB, right? Yes, active time battle. Active time battle. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that at the time, so I, I wasn't playing it as much, but you can tell that I've played it quite a bit since then, since I am farther along than Andrew, and I did that in two days. So my expectations were going into Besaid. Andrew and I knew about Waka and Lulu before uh, we had even started playing the game, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but my expectations were... Because of all the other design changes in this game, I was sitting there thinking that Lulu would just be wearing like belts or something. <laughs> like because because the clothes have been removed from pretty much every other character. So I was fully expecting Lulu to just basically be wearing belts because of her dress in the last To be fair, game. I was about to say, in the last game, she basically was also still just wearing belts. It was basically nothing but belts. It's just a full dress out of belts. Somehow. Belts on belts on belts and belts. And I thought that that's exactly what she was going to be wearing now, especially because you find out that she is pregnant. So I assume that she'd have to be wearing something else. Uh, so anyway, uh, what sort of expectations did you have going into into this week? Well, I tell you what my expectations weren't, and that was that I was going to be redoing the entire game again. On a more general sense, I was expecting perhaps the game to not be as finicky as it is. Uh, I know that's maybe not exactly what you were asking, but I was just throwing that out there before I go into the other stuff. You had a lot of problems with it before, though, so I don't know if that's going to get any better. It might just be the version that you have. I oh, will say... I wasn't talking about, like, crashing or whatever. I was talking about the, like, 100% thing. Oh, yeah. I fully expected that, which is why I was paying attention to my percentage in the first place. And I expected it because there was... If you look online, I, I, I'm not kidding. There's... 10, 15 different 100% guides up to and including people just playing through the game and having like 70 or 100 parts of them getting 100%. It's they you you can tell that they put a lot of time and energy into this game at least from a logistical perspective because there are so many moving parts and pieces especially when it comes to 
setting up things for later that you're going to have to do in later chapters that if you don't do in chapter one, you're not even going to be able to do the percentage later on. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that stood out to me when I was doing that, uh, I remember in 10, when you first launch the game, there's that Final Fantasy X project and it, like over several years. And then they do the same thing in 10 too, but it's only two years. And it's really impressive that only taking two years, they were able to cram as much in as they actually did. Obviously, a lot of that is because they were reusing a lot of the same assets, so that it, it saved their time in that respect, but they still did a complete overhaul of the battle system and, you know, added all these different sprites for the different costumes, and all of a sudden you can recruit monsters, and there's still a lot they added to the game. And I was, I'm really surprised looking at this, how much there is there for, like I said, a two-year development cycle. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm pretty impressed, honestly. So I, it sounds like you've warmed up to it some after, because uh, I, I, like like you said, I know you were really down on the mechanics and the ATB system and stuff when we first started, but it sounds like maybe your opinion on that has changed. Yeah, and that'll become very apparent later on. Fair enough. <laughs> the The links that I've gone to to do different things... I like it. I, I don't like it as much as I like 10, but it's it's very... Well, I, I guess I can't really say that yet. I will say I completely agree that I like 10 better, at least as it stands right now. I know I said it last episode, but I feel like 10 had easily the best combat system of any Final Fantasy. Just straight up. And I agree. I haven't played too many Final Fantasies. I, I've played a little bit of 7... I've uh, obviously played 10 all the way through. I've played multiple 13s. I've played 15. 15 is drastically different from everything, though, so it's kind of hard to compare. Yeah. it's. I don't think 15 is bad, but 15... The reasons why I didn't like ATB at first is part of the reasons why I don't like the battle system in 15 as much because you have no time to really think about what you're going to do next because it's so fast and there's so much going on. And I get that that's more akin to what it would be like if something really happened, but if I actually had superpowers and I was actually in the middle of a battle, I wouldn't have to press buttons and go through a menu to try to figure out what I'm going to use in the middle of a battle. I would have all of that stuff and I would just do it. And I get that that's very hard to sort of implement that in an actual system. But certainly, certainly any system where you have the variety of moves that you do in a typical RPG by the end. Exactly. And and I think that that makes it very, very difficult. One thing I did like about 15 was the combining uh, the the spells and stuff. That was a really cool aspect, but I mean, we're not really talking about. <laughs> yeah, <that f> <laughs> I, I wasn't a huge fan of fifteen because I felt like they were doing a lot of modernization of the system, but they were trying, or at least that was the clear goal. But I don't really know that it worked, and I actually preferred more of a turn-based structure than what they gave. And the same—that's the same problem I have with twelve. Uh, was they tried to do something like that? And I don't really think those modernizations really worked for what Final Fantasy is. But that aside, as you were saying, we're not here to talk about those. 
But there, there's obviously going to be comparisons, so it is what it is, I guess. Oh, of course. But I I definitely have warmed up to it. I understand the ATB system a lot better now. One of the things... Well, before we get into that, did you have any other expectations going into this week um, that you wanted to touch on? Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to do that, just because since... I wound up replaying. I didn't actually really cover any new ground, so there's not really any new expectations for me that I wouldn't have already seen. So where where did you get again? Um, when I left off on the original run, I was in Bavel. Bavel, okay. So I'm basically back where I was because I'm in Makalania, and Bavel is the next step. So did you did you get past Awaka? Yes, I got Awaka on the ship. That was like the last major thing I did. Okay. Okay. Well, okay, I guess let's let's get right into it then. So I, I will say, yeah, I, I, I've warmed up to the to, to the ATB battle system. I still wish that I had a little bit more time, but but what I did to to kind of bridge the gap for me a little bit so so I could get used to it is I changed it to wait. So what it does is when you actually click on attack and when you click on um, something to do, then it will go into a wait mode instead of just keep going and going and going. Yeah. And I changed it, the, the timer to slow. And I think I'm going to change the timer off to slow now because it's definitely getting to a point where I think it's a little too slow. So I, I'm, I've definitely warmed up to the system. I've gotten used to it and I, I enjoy it. One thing- I don't dislike it as much as I did in the last uh, as much as I did last week. One thing I will definitely say that I don't know if this lines up with your expectations or, or your experiences, rather. I'm definitely mashing the attack button a lot more than I did in 10 in terms of my battle strategy is a lot simpler. And I'm sure a lot of that is because I'm early enough that I don't have a whole lot of options yet. But that even considering that, some of it is, I'm sure, the fact that it's ATB, but some of it is also just the fact that the fights don't really seem like they require the level of thought they did in 10. I I agree to an extent. The outside of a boss fight, I would agree with you, but I would say the exact same thing about 10, especially well, at the point where... So so I'm at the point where I'm going, going through and doing creature captures. Well, at least I was when I was playing 10. And near the end of the game, and I would say even close to about halfway through the game, I didn't have to think at all. And I I would put Titus, Oren, and Waka, actually, uh, because he had ranged, in front line, and I would just attack, 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 and that's all I would do. Yeah, same here. But I remember in the beginning of 10, there was a lot more requirements to think about what you were actually using where you had to have the specifics of the characters and things like that. Obviously that's not going to be a one-to-one parallel since there's only the three characters intend to, but I don't really feel like I have to worry about what job I am at this point. I can just even things that traditionally require magic to really effectively kill them. Like the flans and the elementals, I can just shoot them. Well, I think part of the problem is because we're doing the 100%, we are doing a lot more grind than what you would have been doing. That is also true, yes. Because the game is is designed to be played multiple times. And in fact, this game actually has New Game Plus, whereas 10 did not. 
as soon as you finished 10, 10 was over. And the only way to, to do the end game stuff was to just go back to the previous save file. Well, yeah, I mean, you were you had to go all the way to the boss and then leave, basically, if you wanted to do the arena and things like that. But this actually has a new game plus, um, and it allows you to carry your items and stuff over that I found. Which does make it a little more reasonable that it's so finicky about the 100% and stuff, but trying to do it all in one run does make for a, a challenge that I'm not sure how anybody could possibly figure it out without a guide. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Definitely. You, you you would definitely need a guide in order to do it. But honestly, at this point, I might even play it again because there's one of the items in the, that you can't get if you're doing the 100% guide essentially allows you to get double. If you have this item on somebody, it's it's when you're it's one of the when, when you help that when you escort. Called? When you escort the guy, yeah, the escort mission, yeah, um, with the Hadoop, Halu, Halu, I can never remember their names. Barflump, whatever. The, the same Hypello, Hypello. Okay, yes, a Hypello. When you're doing that Hypello mission, where he is, where you're escorting him, there is a way that you can get this special item. That essentially, if you equip it to one of your characters, you get. Double AP, double gill, double experience, and uh, double something. You basically get double everything. It's a super powerful item that you can't get unless you do that mission in a specific way. There's also one that actually gives you break HP limit, which I think is the only way you can get that. No, there. I think there are other ways to get break HP limit. Uh, because there, I think there is a way to do it because there, there are certain, I think adamanti, adamanti, when I was looking things Adamant up, toys. yeah, I think that allows you to do break HP or break damage or, or one of those, but you can farm six of them each playthrough. Six. Oh, six of those specific item types. As if you would ever need more than three. Potentially, if you're using Brother or somebody else. I will say, I do love that Brother is a monster. Yeah, well, he definitely is a monster. And his picture proves that he's just terrible. Yeah. I just thought that was hilarious, that he is a monster that you capture, not only in the monster catching thing, in the tutorial for the monster catching thing. So, one of the other things that I really like about the ATB system is magic. The fact that you can press right and a basic spell can be can hit all enemies is amazing. I absolutely love that. It makes me so happy. Was that not the case in 10? I thought that was already like that. I do not remember that being the case. If it is, I definitely don't remember it. it in fact, as soon as we're done today, I'm going to boot up 10 and see if you can do that. But to my knowledge, you couldn't because there were specific spells like Demi and Ultima that would by default hit everything. Maybe it was a excess, like an attachment to your armor or something. I swear there was a way to do it in 10, but I thought you could just do it normally. Regardless, yes, that is definitely nice. That is amazing. And, and I have actually already mastered Mage. Of course you have. Well, yeah, I have already mastered Mage because of that. And it's 
the reason why I think it's the ATB system is too slow, because when you master mage, you get a 50% reduction in how long it takes to cast a spell. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, you get a 30% right before you master it and a 50% after you master it. So it's not 80%. It's just, it just turns it just replaces. into... Yeah. But it that's still fantastic. 50. Oh, yeah. It's One it's, thing I do really like is when you cast a spell or use an item or any of those things that basically causes a secondary bar to show up, when you're finished with it, you're, it's your immediately your turn again. You don't have to wait for your turn to load. Oh yeah. The the other thing that I don't not, that I noticed, if you use like a phoenix down, even if you kill a monster, it will finish the animation and use the item at the end of the battle. There was a time where uh pain had died. I didn't realize that the very next hit was going to kill this monster because there was a time where I thought that I was going to get a party wipe because everyone was dying. So I had everybody escape and then I had pain attack and then it turned out that that was the very last hit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. So then only Payne got the experience for it. But the other thing that I was talking about was I had used a Phoenix down to bring Payne back to life, and I killed the monster, and I it started the whole, the, the, the ending music or whatever started to play, and then Yuna just throws the phoenix down, it brings pain back to life, and she got the, in, she got experience for the battle. Yeah, I've noticed that, and that cuts two ways, because I've definitely seen where, for example, I kill a monster, but their last attack had already started, and so it finishes that attack, and then it dies. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I mean, you know, I think that's only fair that they get to do the same thing, but... It's a little weird. Uh, I think weirder than that is the fact that you can't entirely be sure, for example, what order things are going to happen because they actually require the characters to physically cross the distance for a melee attack or something. Yeah. And so, if they're not right, it's hard to do. It's hard to get a chain if they're not right next to the creature or if the creature's attack can actually interrupt your chain. Which also stinks, so it is definitely hard to time things out appropriately. Or, sometimes. for example, I will frequently, like in the beginning when everybody was using their default jobs, the ideal chain would be Riku doing her two attacks, then um, Yuna's gun hitting, and then finally Pain's sword, because it would be by far the most damage. Mm -hmm. But actually getting that to happen in that order was a lot harder than it probably should have been. Yeah. I, I, I do agree. Sometimes sometimes because of the way it works, it, it does make things a little bit more difficult, especially when you have to try and account for when the enemy's last attacked. And the fact that you have no control over where they're standing when the fight actually starts. But you can control that later with certain jobs. Oh, really? Yes. Awesome. So the I, psychic that I told you about? Yes. She has a teleport ability where you can teleport uh to whichever enemy you want. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's really cool. I like the psychic. I also love their outfits. I actually was trying to get the psychic job and got absolutely slaughtered in round 2 of the creature tournament. What? I don't know what it was, but those enemies were like way, way harder than anything I had fought in the game up to that point. What level were you? Like 10. Oh, I beat it when I was about 13. First round, I completely destroyed them. No problems whatsoever. It was three flans. 
Second round was an, was an insect and two birds, but they must have been higher level versions of those because I couldn't even hit them. I think I had the same thing because then the last one was the machines. Well, for me, the last ones was the machines. I will say the the difficulty definitely ramped up for round two. It was the hardest of the three rounds. And I did end up barely beating it, but I was able to beat it. I mean, I'll, I'll just try again in a little bit. I'm not super worried about it. But I did. I was like, oh, cool, psychic job. I want to go get that. And then I really struggled. <laughs> but at least they're nice enough to full heal you every round. So because I had to restart, I noticed we had mentioned in the last episode that Yuna had or, or that LeBlanc had transformed into Yuna somehow. And we thought it was just because of the garment gear or the dress fear or whatever. It definitely wasn't the case because she was Yuna's base form as a summoner from the last game. And then she transforms into the dress. So she somehow already took Yuna's form before she activated the the dress sphere and turned into the dancing Yuna. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, they definitely haven't explained it yet. I'm not even sure they're going to. And the main reason I say that is when you do the flashback uh, mission as Yuna, where you're going in and covering what she was doing during the concert, you run into a couple of guards that look just like the normal guards in Luca, and then they turn into enemies and run off. So clearly, at the very least, LeBlanc's organization is just really good at disguises or something, but it seems to just be one of those video game things we're just supposed to go with. So another thing that I saw when I when I was replaying it was in that first sphere you get at Mushroom Rock, I don't know if those Crimson Spears are meant to be in the past or not, but did you notice that Lagos, the guy with the gun, was actually in it? Yeah, that's Logos and Army that are definitely talking. Army the Shield guy. And, and I guess a whole bunch of people had died for something? Yeah, uh, so two things out of that. One, yes, it makes it look like they just straight up murdered a bunch of people, which feels really weird given that they're played off as like comic support or comic relief villains in the actual game. And two, if they are in the past, what? <laughs> yeah, so were they... Because cause I was trying to figure out if maybe that was Operation Meehan or whatever it was in the last game, Operation When Kill. they did the attack on Sin. Yeah, I thought that maybe it was that, and that Lagos and Ormi were apparently there, but I don't think that was the case, because they called it like they called it Operation Zero or something. It, it sounded like they were recruiting for something. Yeah. And then and just that, none of the recruits lived up to their standards, which again... Based on what they've done so far, they don't seem like they have very high standards. Yeah, so it seemed really it, it that seemed very strange to me that they were the other part of that that is interesting is I'm pretty sure that Crimson Sphere is why that so the door that they're trying to get into when they're testing it and they leave behind the Crimson Sphere that's locked. I'm pretty sure that that one red sphere is why that one line fills up, which means. Why is the lock to this door a bunch of recordings of them? Unless it was, it's possible that it was your first sphere. That's true. And that because you, you happen to have it or whatever, I don't know if you would, I don't know if they're just in the business of taking spears around with them, but 
the the sphere that Yuna. So when you get to Besaid, Yuna obviously talks to Lulu. She actually shows her the sphere it, it, as a part of. Yeah, this is why I left. And when she does that, the sphere is orange. Yeah, the original sphere is orange, and so is the treasure sphere you get out of uh, Mount Gagazet. But that's another thing that I noticed. So we had said Eternal Calm was two years, and we thought that this game was was three. That's not the case. No, it it sounds like she literally just joined the Gallwings because it's also only been two years. But that doesn't add up because she acts like she has been with the Gallwings for a while, and that pain, like, where did pain come from then? Did she just suddenly show up and immediately have a best friend relationship with Riku and Yuna? Well, Yuna said that Pain joined very shortly before she did, so well, that is weird, though, because, yeah, it would imply that Yuna is brand new and Pain is almost brand new, but they get along fairly well, especially for Pain being the stoic, I don't want to talk, Aran type. And that it, the, it definitely seems to be like Yuna is the leader. Other than the fact that, that Brother is the leader of their group, it seems like Yuna's the leader, and if I was Pain, I would definitely not be super cool with that if I joined before her. To be fair, some of that is inherently main character syndrome, which doesn't make it good, but it's the same thing as, well, I mean, Titus was kind of the leader of the group in 10 by the end, even though they were there to escort Yuna, but everybody was listen was like Titus was in charge at, by the end, and... Yuna being the high summoner who saved the world from sin, I feel like it would be pretty hard to argue that you have better qualifications than her for basically literally any job. But why would they explain it like that then? Why wouldn't they just say that she is that she joined after or it just seems odd to me. It it, it seemed to me like the eternal calm was just kind of a rushed thing for the HD remaster. And it was like, oh, put whatever you want in there. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a short movie that really isn't anything special. And I'm sure somebody was basically just tasked with, okay, try to come up with something to bridge the gap between the two games. So another thing that I had on my list was after I got to Guado Salam and all the Guado are gone. And one of the first things Yuna says is like, some people said that the Guado deserved what happened to them. I was definitely thinking, holy crap, what happened to the Gu Guado? Yeah, like, they deserved it on some level. Uh, okay, I don't know that they deserved that, but they were pretty clearly being bad, and so some sort of thing. But yes, when you first walk in there, it sure makes it sound like they just went extinct or like got mur everyone got murdered. Yeah, because I thought to myself, whoa, what happened? In my notes, it literally says... Uh, what happened to the Guado? And then you go to, you go to Michelania Woods and they just happen to be hanging out there. And I'm like, you know, I mean, okay, they lost their ancestral home or whatever, but that introduction in Guado Salam when Yuna's talking sure made it sound like it was worse than this. Yeah, that, that was very, because even the old guy, what's his name? The like leader elder guy that was like Seymour's assistant is perfectly fine. He's just sad. Well, apparently, uh, Kamari's race, whatever they are, the the Ronzo, have some like undying grudge against the Guado 
because of what Seymour did. And essentially, from what I understand, they're just going around murdering any Guado they find. Which, yikes. Yeah. And I was thinking, uh... Although, to be fair, Seymour was a terrible person, and some level of punishment probably good, especially for the leaders who followed Seymour, but somehow the leader who followed Seymour is perfectly okay, and just is like, oh, we deserve this, oh, bother. Yeah, but in the civilized world, and I know that this that's not it, shouldn't somebody be doing something about this? It seems kind of like a big deal that apparently Rogue Ronzo going around slaughtering Guado and nobody's doing anything about it. The image of like Rogue Ronzo made me think of a Ronzo in like a Metal Metal Gear Solid outfit, Solid Snake's outfit and stuff, and I started laughing pretty hard over here. It is tonally very strange for the relatively lighthearted game we've been playing up to this point. Yeah, and and I completely agree with that. Things are obviously not going to be great in the world after after everything that had happened, especially after Seymour had went nuts. But we're also sitting in an eternal calm now. And what Seymour did to the or, or to the Ronzo is not cool by any sense of the statement. But violence should not beget more violence. Yeah, and I would imagine by the end of the game, that's going to be one of the problems we're going to solve, at least in a 100% run, where we're going to help make peace, but... And that would be my thought process. Did you get to Mount Gagazette? No. Okay, because I thought that that was after Bavel, but I couldn't remember. Yes, it is. I think it's the very next thing. Okay, okay. Uh, so I really won't go into that, into that yet, but it... So... One thing I'm noticing is the game seems to be setting up a lot of, like, dual conflicts more than... Whereas before, it was literally everyone against Sin, and then slightly everybody kind of against the Albed, but more like just... The Albed were treated more like uh, the Romani or something like that, the minority that's just not included in part of society without the horrible atrocity part of that. But in... 10-2, 10-2, it seems more like everybody's kind of split into factions. We've got the Guado versus the Ronzo that I assume we're going to have to do something about. And we've got New Yevon versus the Youth League, which also seems like it's going to be a really big deal. I actually think the New Yevon versus the Youth League is probably going to be the main conflict we're going to be dealing with. Yeah, I, I'm getting that impression as well, that those two, because you can clearly see New Yevon, they are they they said that the reason why they chose the name Yevon is to never forget what they what they did. And Youth League is essentially both of them seem to hate the other one quite a bit. And it kind of sounds like the new Yevon screwed over a lot of a lot of society in the sense that when they were collecting all these spheres, there was a, a whole bunch of people on the on Spiral working together to find all these spheres. And New Yevon essentially got them and then just kept them. Yeah, uh, but if I remember correctly, I think they directly said that's the entire reason the Youth League exists was because of people who were mad about that. Yeah, they 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 were the news, the leader, 
was one of them that was in charge of finding all the spheres. And as soon as he found a whole bunch of them, New New Yevon just took them and didn't give them to anybody. And it's like, why? Why are you keeping Spira's history from the people? That's definitely not cool. So the obvious possibility there, at least to me, is that they found something in the spheres that they were worried about people knowing. But the real question is whether or not this is going to be both sides have a point and you just kind of have to choose or whether New Yevon is just straight up the bad guys in the Youth League are the good guys. Because I kind of don't want Yevon to be the bad guy again. That just feels a little too much like just retreading the same ground. But Unless there's an outside force that we haven't met yet that is trying to put pit both of them against each other. Yeah. I and mean, obviously we're only in chapter one, so there's plenty of time for more to shake out as far as this stuff goes. Yeah. But even on a smaller scale, there's the two companies in the calm lands that you, that are like competing and you have to go do that. It's just a side quest, but the game really seems to enjoy this concept of everybody sort of used to be united and now they're split in half and it just kind of keeps coming up. Yeah, I'm actually following two guides now. One guide is specifically publicity, and then the other guide is the 100% guide. Because the only guide that I found that included both was watching a video on YouTube. And I didn't really want to do that because then it's like... Why are we even playing the game? Why am I even playing then? Yeah. Why would I even play? I could just watch these videos and then be like, this is my... This is my thoughts on when this dude played the game. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I'm not actually playing the game at that point. So while I don't mind reading a strategy guide, because to me, the parts that I'm going to read are going to be spoiled seconds before I see them anyway. So I don't really care that much. It's more about playing the actual game and having an experience that way. Yes, absolutely. Just go here, do this, go here, do this, go here, do this. It's like, okay, but there's other things that I want to do outside of that. So right before you get to Besaid, when you're looking in the strategy guide, it says there is this sphere. It's called, it's a search sphere or something that you get, that you can buy in Besaid for 900,000 gil. What? Yeah, there's a search sphere that you can buy in Besaid for 900,000 gil. In chapter three, there's one of the side quests that you have to do for 100% anyway. The rewards is a key to the search sphere. So then you can go back to Besaid later and get that stuff. So that you really don't have to worry about that much. I got it in chapter one. How did you possibly have that much money? And... More accurately is I told you at the beginning of this that I started this playthrough two days ago. Seriously, how did you possibly have 900,000 gil already? Like I said, so Andrew and I play games very, very differently. That is extremely an understatement. (laughs) That's actually part of the reason, again, why we had decided we were going to have to use a guide for a game like this because it's so open That's the only way we could both stay relatively on track. So there's somewhat of a exploit, you could call it. I'm not even sure somewhat is accurate if you seriously got that much money right now. (laughs) It took me like eight hours to do. 
I have like 3,000 gil. <laughs> well, I have a lot. I have, I, listen, I have about 200,000 gil now. So the way Awaka works is in this game, I actually like him way more than I like him in 10. Agreed. I feel like he's immediately already going to be much more useful than he was in 10. And I did, we had some disagreement on this when we were talking about it before we ever started doing this. Because I didn't particularly think Awaka was worth the effort in 10. And Chris was, as I recall, much more a fan of his. It's but, not necessarily his, but when he gets arrested, his brother takes over. And his brother has awesome items at the end of the game. Yes. But even then, I just, I guess I never felt like even those awesome items were worth it. Because most of them were not as good as the stuff I had already made. Except one of the items that you get doubles the amount of MP you use but doubles and sometimes triple the magic damage that you would have done otherwise. It's huge, especially near the end of the game when everything has so much health. But that aside, yes, I immediately, when you... So in Makalania Woods, you have to go and find Awaka because, surprise, once again, he's on the run. Because the guy is clearly just the worst merchant. Like, he has the absolute worst business sense of anybody I think ever. Well, okay, so in this case, this was not entirely his fault, I want to point out. That's true. Did, did, did you find out why he... Yeah, he mentions it's because the temple sent... Like, he bought one of the travel agencies from Rin, the one that's right outside of Makalania Temple, but then the temple fell into the lake, so the tourism dried up. Exactly, because it was on the other side of Makalania Woods, and why would you go in there if you're not going to the temple? Right, because there's, like, nothing else in that direction, if I remember correctly. The temple, it's a dead end, right? Yes. So, for him, it's actually kind of a your fault because of everything that happens? I guess, but I, like, yes, but at the same time, when would he have had the time to do it? He, he didn't buy it in the first game, so how could it really be our fault? <laughs> well, from what I understand, the... People stopped going to the temple, and it stopped getting upkeep or whatever, and then just fell into the lake. So it was more—I could be wrong on that, but from his story, basically the way he told his story was business was doing, ju was doing just fine, and things were going great, and then Sin was defeated, everybody stopped trusting Yevon, and then the temple fell into the lake, and then there was no reason to go there anymore, so he just got screwed. I mean, yeah, I— I'll, okay, this one's more bad rap or whatever, but the fact that you already helped him with giving him so much free money in the first game and then he immediately goes back to being essentially the extremely overpriced jerk is kind of funny, but at some point I'm like, come on, dude, really? He He's not even overpriced if you let him on the ship. He's almost, I think he's basically just another merchant, but this time... He works very differently. His debt is a hundred thousand, but his debt goes down as you buy items. Instead of just giving him the money, because there's no option to just give him the money, you actually buy items from him, and that is how his debt goes down. Yes. So I will definitely agree. In that sense, he's already better. Um also if I remember correctly, in Tan, you could actually give him too much money. And then he would actually get expensive again, and it seemed like a real unfortunate, like a real bad design choice. Really? 
I think it's a pretty absurd amount, but I swear I remember reading something about that. And maybe it was just a bug and his counter winds up going over or something. But I feel like if you gave him, because I think you had to give him like over 20,000 or something to be in the good spot where he gets cheap. I think it was over 10,000. But I think if you went over 100,000, and the thing is the game had, in 10, there it didn't have any way of telling you, okay, you've given him enough money now, so you just kind of keep throwing it at him and hope it's enough. Yeah. But if I remember correctly, at least in the original release, if you got over 100000 all of a sudden, he basically started charging like way more than he ever charged before. So, which makes me think it was a bug, but I'm pretty sure that's a thing that happened. Well, if you get 100000 gil, you can pay off his debt completely. And his items get so unbelievably cheap that you can buy all of them and sell them back to the barkeep right behind him for a profit. Oh, it all makes sense now. So what I did was... Buy everything and then turn around and sell it over there, and over? There is... Well, I still had to get the 100,000 gil, quote-unquote, legitimately. Um, quote-unquote. I feel like there's a story there that we need to hear. <laughs> well, it's a big... It's a process. So in order to get the 100,000 gil... You have to, there, there is a monster in the Thunder Plains. It's the circle guy, the Biochet, Biochet or whatever. What, it, it's the, the shed from the first game. They just have a different name, but it's the one in the Thunder Plains. It's the shed? I literally do not remember that guy at all. I'll have to look a, it up. He's a rock, basically just a, a, a circle rock that came to life awesome it's the thing that that Oren is good against because they were basically just giant rocks oh yeah because he had the armor piercing yeah they're yeah. they're a common enemy so a bunch of them show up if you kill a bunch of those chances are one of them that you get into a fight if you kill enough of them will oversoul oversoul is actually a, a really neat mechanic but I find it very odd that bosses can actually oversoul, which can yeah. kind of screw you. Also, I was really curious how that would work, because I saw that mentioned in the guide as well, that you could do that, and the bosses became much more dangerous. But I thought oversoul only happened when you kill a spe that specific enemy enough times. It, it's possible that if you kill the, like, the enemy that's closest resembles it or something... I don't yeah. I don't know or maybe it's just random sometimes for bosses because like the very first boss um the one on Mount Gagazet in the opening there's an entry there about oversoul and it's been, and the guide essentially says if you got the oversoul good luck <laughs> I saw that and yeah, it's if you got that you're screwed and I just was thinking about that cuz I'm like how can you possibly get that that's such a terrible oversoul's an interesting concept but I will say even some of the random enemies, and specifically for me, it was the Fire Elemental in Mushroom Rock. If I got an oversold version of that, it, like, destroyed me repeatedly. Well, I had Mage so high at that point that... Well, yeah, okay, if you can cast, like, Blizzaga or something at it. <laughs> <laughs> but even using, you know, I had Black Mage, obviously, at that point, but even throwing Blizzard at it... it just because it did so much damage and it always cast fire on everyone every single turn. There there was a boss that's going to be coming up for you that the guide had this huge section on it. It's like three paragraphs of 
this is what you do when this happens. This is what you do when this happens. I had Blazaga. I cast Blazaga and I had the other people do two things. And then Yuta's like, ah, Blazaga. Dead. (laughs) Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. For what it's worth, the, that first boss, uh, it, the one on Mount Gagazet even, it talked about, well, you know, if you have some ability to cast fire from a previous game or, or whatever, then you can do that, and it'll make things a lot easier. And I literally just had Payne use the fire sword, and she killed it in one hit. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you would definitely have Flame Tongue at that point. Yeah, I think she even starts with Flame Tongue. No, it's the first thing you unlock. Oh, well... You can unlock things in lots of orders because you can go in and change that. But Well, yes. And that I also thought was incredibly cool. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I really, really liked because comparing it to the older job systems like the one in five or Bravely Default or a lot of the others, not all of them, um, Tactics let you pick which what you got. But compared to most of those, that's easily one of my favorite things about the way Tantu does the job system implementation where... You learn something, and it will unlock something new on the list, but you still get a variety of options instead of just having to learn them in order. Yeah. Because, like, I tend to prioritize the auto ones because those are just passives that are going to help me, so I tend to try to get those pretty quickly. For me, there there's a... I wanted Master master Thief. I looked up the optimal path for how to get that the, the fastest. And I do that for a lot of the jobs because that's typically how I would... That's how I would have played the game regardless is how do I get this the fastest? I have a big habit in a lot of job system type games where I don't want to move on from a job until I completely learn everything. Yeah, that's going to be rough in this game. Oh, I know. I'm Eventually, I will break that habit, and I already kind of have because I've been using like Black Mage and stuff. But yeah, there's a lot in each individual job. And it's not even that it's rough in this game because like even in Final Fantasy Tactics, where I've beaten that game repeatedly because it's easy, it's my favorite Final Fantasy overall, the original tactics, and it has job systems, and the main character that you have the entire game absolutely has to be in every fight, et cetera, et cetera, mastered two jobs and half of another one when I finished the game. So, yeah. <laughs> so, back to my, back to my process, <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. call it. Your, your money-making process? You, you, you fight those rocks... Until one of them oversouls. Then you steal from it. Now, the online, people were saying you have to have Master Thief in order to get it. But for me, I don't know if it's just because I had done so many things for the Thief. Every single time, what you're looking for is called Wall Ring. I think it's Wall Ring, Wall something. But it's an accessory that when you sell it, you get 2500 for it. That's not bad. So I farmed 40 of those, got the 100,000 wow. gil. Yes, and that took a while. Yeah, no doubt. It, it took a long time because I had... Because what will happen is you kill a bunch of them, you oversoul, you steal from it, and then you escape. And because you escape and don't kill it, the very next one that shows up is always guaranteed to oversoul. Yeah. Once you have one oversold, it always guarantees. Yeah, it keeps coming into you. And I know that because... I had that problem with those red elementals in Mushroom yeah, Rock. I was going to say, you, they're going to keep coming up until you kill it. I, I, I got it eventually, but when it first showed up, like I had, I had a bad time. So it also, I found out, because accidentally I boarded the airship halfway through this process, 
and thought to myself, no! (laughs) I'm going to have to restart the oversoul process, which took the longest. So, apparently, that doesn't reset. And the first one I came to oversold again. And so then I just, I did my process. But I farmed 40 of those, sold them all, paid off all of Awaka's debt, and then did that thing enough times to get 1,150,000-something gil. And the way I was doing it is... I was only getting 15,000 gil every time I did this. So there was a lot of repetition there. I cannot believe... Okay. I was about to say I cannot believe that you did that, but knowing how you play games, I 100% believe that you did that. Yeah, I didn't want to have to worry about getting this thing later. I wanted it now. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there thinking... Man, I gotta get 100,000 gold to Awaka by the end of chapter 3 for this guide... So I have to make sure to save some some gill out for that. And then here you are already solving that and buying things that are way more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to listen, I didn't look up or, or I didn't figure this out on my own. I did research and to figure out what the best optimal option would be for chapter one and then did that. But yeah, it was a lot of work. All right. What level are you at this point? It's totally worth it. Uh, 24? <laughs> it's actually not nearly as bad as I was expecting for this. 24 Although the XP you're getting from monsters is probably worthless comparatively at this point. Yeah. Because every- I'm sure everything is one star on the difficulty list for you. So when I'm going through and, and looking at things, everything for me is attack, 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 attack. Yeah. Now. But it wasn't. It's just I've over-leveled myself so much to the... F- I loved Psychic. Psychic is, is like, one of my favorites so far. I was actually about to ask, that was going to be my next topic, was what are your favorite jobs so far? It straight up has telekinesis, which is just instant kill a monster. And it only, it only costs 12 MP. It doesn't always work. It's and just certain- like casting the death spell, probably. I, I think it's a lot like that. Except you just, like, right before you use it, because I have Riku be my my psychic. Because the other thing I needed to do was, now that I have Gun Mage, I needed to go back to all those other level, or all those other areas, so I could specifically get the uh, abilities from them. So I have Mighty Guard from the Hizes in... Picanteras, I think. No, the H-A-I-Z-E's. He's, he's, oh, uh, I don't remember what those are. They're those golden, golden amoeba looking things in Makalania. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I do know what that is then. So what you do. So in order to get, in order to learn things in this game, you have to have it used on you. Yeah. That's, I, I will interject just briefly to say that that's a pretty standard um, Final Fantasy mechanic. Uh, some version of blue magic is what they call it. Yeah, I saw that when I was looking looking and up at it. Almost, almost every Final Fantasy, there is a character who is a blue mage. And obviously in 10, it was Kimari. Yeah, and he could get Lancet. Right. But most of the time, it works like this, where you actually have to get the monster to use it on you. So the easiest way to do that is to confuse the monsters. 
and psychic has one of its moves is confused apparently you can also do it with the the festivalist yes i i don't know how i feel about festivalist yeah i don't there's a reason why i went out and got psychic because i do not care for festivalist at all i'm probably not going to use that festivalist is interesting just because everybody has a slightly different move set and i know there's a at least one other job later that has that where it's basically three jobs interesting because the move set for each person is different with Festivalist, and I know Mascot is like that, because I remember that from the first time I ever played it, reading guides and stuff, but to get Mascot, it's literally like the reward for 100% completion. Yeah, that's what you're that's that's what I've seen in all the guides, is that... The but also that, that Mascot is extremely, extremely broken, as you would expect for the thing for 100%. And the fact that it's different for every single one of them, to me, it makes... I'm happier about that because it's, it would be, to me, it seems like a bad reward if it's just, oh, here's the thing for, here's the one new dress sphere you get out of it. The fact that it it itself is essentially three different de- dress spheres is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah. It's, it, it makes it seem like it's more worth it to me. It's an interesting thing. And I don't remember any of the other variations on the job system ever doing something like that where the same job got different things depending on who was doing it. Other than in the original tactics, the base job that a character had, the story characters got unique abilities that were only for them as part of the base job of Squire, but that's literally the only other time I can think of that happening. So there there are certain things for the gun mage that you can only learn in like chapter one, two, and three because the world drastically changes after three from what I understand. I I always kind of figured, yeah, the monsters would get harder each chapter. So there are certain things that you're not going to be able to get later. And White Wind was one of them, and it's immensely powerful. Yeah, White Wind is always great. So I had to to get that, which you get from the mushroom guys in Mushroom Rock. The bully skull, bully caps, or whatever they're called. Yeah, the, the plant monsters. So I had to do that. There's a lot of stuff that I have to do before I move on, which isn't, which doesn't have anything to do with hundred percent. It's just one of those things that I want to do it. And, and that's why I was saying that proves to you how much I'm enjoying the game. Because when I look back at other games that I didn't enjoy, I it was very much a chore to go and grind like that. But this one, I just didn't mind at all. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for Square, and part of the reason I've loved the Final Fantasy series as long as I have is even ones I enjoy less than others, they're usually pretty good about making it feel satisfying to play, if nothing else. Yeah. Even when they change things up literally every game. And, and, and I I do enjoy it. I, it, it's, it has grown on me, and I'm at the point where I, I'm having a lot of fun with it now. So aside from Psychic, what are your favorite jobs right now? Well, the the only ones that I'm using right now at the moment are Thief, Warrior, and Thief, Warrior, and Mage. I even stopped Psychic for a little bit because I needed the Thief stuff in order to, to do my Awaka trick. <laughs> Fair enough. So there, there are several other dress spheres that I've looked at that I are interested in. Psychic is definitely one of my favorites right now, if, if not my actual favorite. Because I like mage, obviously, since I've already maxed it out. I've always, I'll be a mage class in every single thing I ever play. 
In fact, I was pretty disappointed that you took Mage in one of our D&D games. And I was like, wow, really? Thanks, man. I get it. I was late. Oh, well. Sorry. <laughs> no, you don't have to. I was just kidding. Um, but I, I, I like Mage. But Psychic is more so than Mage. I love Telepath, Telekinetic, anything like that. Chronicle was one of my favorite movies. and Chronicle it, was really good. It had a lot of problems, but the fact that it dealt with supernatural powers like that is one of my absolute favorite. I even really liked Jumper. And from what I understand, the book was far better than the movie, but being able to like teleport and do stuff like that, that's just because they're practical abilities that isn't like shooting fire out of your hands which let's be clear shooting fire out of your hands would be amazing it's definitely way cooler but in the realm of possibility not that telekinetics is possible anyway that i'm aware of but it's a much more utilitarian power i understand what you're getting at yeah it just seems more useful it seems like you can do more with it than like oh i'm a fire mage Okay, so you can do the one thing. Well, with telekinesis, you can do so many different things. But the psychic job is just awesome because one of the the first thing you get is just by default it hits everybody. The first thing you get costs ten mana, and the and it just hits everyone. And it hits everybody for from what I can tell, like I think a basic attack. So. You essentially get three basic attacks on, well, you know, if you're fighting three enemies, you you essentially get three basic attacks on each one of them. So for me, it I can finish battles faster because I can have Yuna fire blast this guy, Riku telekinetic everybody, and then Pain, you attack this person, this other person. And then Yuna and Pain both focus on this other person and Rika do one more attack and boom, everything's done. And it takes me maybe 10 seconds to do an actual battle. Yeah, and there's something really inherently satisfying when you get to the po- that point in any game. And honestly, that's part of why I've never, I've always kind of preferred the, the JRPG design over Western RPGs lately, especially because they've been doing that thing where every enemy levels up with you. And I, I personally don't like that because it feels like I never actually get stronger, even as I'm learning new things. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, I don't, I don't like that aspect of a open world because I get that that means oh well you can go anywhere and do anything you want, but that also takes away the sense of struggle like I went into this dungeon and I was able to clear it out and I definitely wasn't supposed to be able to do it yet but I used sneak and I got better rewards because of the, my my play style yeah whereas if everything levels up with you and that's one of the things that oblivion did even the rewards you got leveled up with you to when it's like what's the point of going anywhere yeah there was no incentive to explore or anything because any random cave you went into was going to have basically the same stuff. So you might as well just do the story in the path it lays out, and you're going to get everything that you would have gotten otherwise. Yeah. There's no point to look around, whereas in this, it is, even though I'm not really doing that, to an extent, because right now I've basically done everything in Chapter 1, 
so I am going back and doing the publicity stuff. And so I'm doing a little bit more exploration from that standpoint. Not that there's really anything to explore at this point, because I've already done all the side stuff. Well, and also, explorer is maybe not the best word for that, just because since we already played the first game, all of these areas we've done. Well, yeah, I wouldn't... No, explore in a sense where I'm looking at stuff that's changed. Yes. So... And that actually brings me to something else I had wanted to talk about. Well, was, before you get to that, oh, okay. <laughs> what was your? What are your favorite dress spheres? Um, I'm also a big fan of Black Mage. Uh, in ten, I'm kind of weird in that in a lot of Final Fantasies, I'm not a big magic user just because I feel like using the resources doesn't usually help other than like in boss fights. So I mostly just wind up casting Cure and powering my way through most fights in a lot of Final Fantasy games. But with 10, that was not an option, especially early on when, again, everybody had a thing they had to do and certain monsters you basically had to have this person for. And even though 10-2 hasn't quite had the same level of that or really even close to the same level of that, I still kind of have that mentality of, oh, it's a flan. Okay, I'm going to need black mage or whatever. So I've been using magic a lot more than I usually have. So I am a big fan of black mage. I think the warrior job, for being one of the ones you start with, is extremely useful. Oh, yeah. And there's so many things. That is the, that is the other one that I've almost maxed out. I think I'm at 84%. Warrior just has so much versatility because it feels like pretty much everything Aaron got in the main game almost in 10 in this base level job. But plus, because Aaron never got a fire sword attack. Yeah, because I think that was like Waka, wasn't it? She's Yeah, that was his... Um, his limit break. Yeah, his Oryx reels. And so by default, you can just cast spells like on your sword and then attack with it. And it's really cool. Pain I has really such a, like it. And Pain has such a high strength in the like for compared to everybody else. She just dominates. So when you that and that's the thing, it's like when I was playing through it my first time, I actually did not really use Mage a whole lot because I didn't need it. When every flaw came up, I just had pain power through them all. Yeah, same here. A lot of that. It, and that's kind of what I meant when I, earlier is that you really don't have to hit the weaknesses and stuff like you used to. Because, yeah, pain is just such a powerhouse. Well, no, not by power through it. I mean using her MP and attack. Oh, I, even with regular attacks, it doesn't take more than a couple with her. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, especially where I'm at now, it's hard for me to think back and as to what kind of struggles I was having. The only area so far in the entire game that gave me any trouble was Mushroom Rock, and it was just because of that oversold fire elemental that just kept harassing me. (laughs) It just kept coming back. I can't escape it! No matter what I do, it will never leave me alone! I, I got lucky once. Well, lucky. Because I had the fire elemental and, you know, ran away from it. And then I got a couple fights where I it the fire elemental wasn't in it, so I was able to kill everything. And then they came back to pipe me because the next time the fire elemental showed up, something else also oversold in the same fight. <laughs> and I cried a little bit. <laughs> I didn't even know that you could have two oversouls in a single fight. You sure can. Because that has not happened to me yet. And I've murdered everything. It's just a matter of timing, but yeah, you can definitely have two things in the same fight. Because I figured it would have come up once when I was doing my Awaka stuff, um, and it, for me, it never did. Well, so that's interesting. 
if those may not have been counting because if you were running away, then they may not have been contributing to the oversoul thing at the end. No, I was killing everything but him. Because I was, while I was doing that, I was also working on the AP abilities for all my people. Do you still get EXP for them if you ran away? Yeah. Oh. You get EXP for the monsters you killed. That's pretty cool. That's the pretty other unusual. Thing that I, the other thing that I like is that even if somebody does nothing, they still get experience for the battle. Yes. Unlike in 10. Yeah, and 10 was definitely the outlier in that one because it used to be everybody in the party got experience, but... So I guess it's not entirely the outlier because a lot of times the people who weren't in the party didn't get experience, but in, you know, 10 since there's only the three people, there's really not a problem with that. Yeah. Unless you are avidly using monsters or a brother. And I, I don't know why you would. I'm going to be honest. I have not used a monster once. I haven't, but I'd actually like to run around as a giant behemoth just to like play with it. And since I'm waiting, since I'm going to have to wait for you to catch up anyway, I will probably do that. I'll probably go through and start leveling up my monsters. That would probably be a good way to do that in terms of um, the getting all the stories, because I believe that's how you do it is by leveling them up. Because from what I understand, you can't actually control the monsters. It's more of a you push them to do kind of what you want. And if you have a better relationship with them, then they will do what you want. Yeah, you kind of they have like rudimentary AI that you basically like praise or insult or, you know, talk down to, to kind of encourage or discourage certain actions. That aspect kind of reminds me of persona a little bit. Uh, the earlier personas when you were, didn't really have the, the control that you do now. Back when you only controlled yourself. Yes. And Junpei would <laughs> f- fricking Junpei would just do whatever he wants and ruin my whole playthrough and ruin everything in a boss. I am doing so good. And then June. We got some repressed memories coming up. From, yeah, to we the surface do. Here. Cause I, Oh, anyway, cause I, that's just like walk. I could go on forever with June pay. So what, what were you saying before I asked about your dress spheres? Honestly, at this point, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. So Andrew, I think it's time to talk about the elephant in the room. The extremely racist Blitzball elephant? <laughs> yes. Other no other otherwise known as Waka. Yeah, here's the thing about Waka. From a gameplay mechanics perspective in 10, he was one of the more useful characters. From a personality perspective, he was awful. He, he was incredibly awful. And it just goes beyond, you know... Yevin says these people are bad, and I agree with absolutely everything that Yevin says. Even though I've never had any interactions with them, he he basically is the quintessential racist in a sense of other people have told him that Albed suck, and he just believes it at face value. From the very beginning is, I hate the Albed, I hate the Albed, I hate them, I hate them, they suck, they're terrible. Yeah, obviously, to some level, he serves an important point in the first game of kind of establishing what the culture believes in general, since Titus is the outsider. And so they gave you that to have more of an understanding of the way Spira works, but he never really gets better. But they bring it, they could have brought it up once. And then he could have just been like, ugh, I'll bed. But every single time there's 
anything that happens with an Albed. And at a certain point, we are, quote-unquote, attacked by Riku because she's trying to save Yuna's life because she knows that she's going to die at the end of this at the end of this whole thing. And he's like, "Ugh, just like those Albed to try and 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 kill summoners and they're they're trying to capture them and and they're trying to make it so everyone else's everyone else's lives are terrible because they're trying to stop the the summoners pilgrimage. And the Albed are the worst and they're terrible." And I'm sitting there thinking their pilgrimage is to essentially sacrifice themselves for everyone else. And yes, that is a noble cause, but you're mad at the Albed because you think it's their fault because Yevon just told you it was. Because they use Machina, Yevon just told you they were evil. I mean, he does serve one really important point in terms of his, I guess, contribution to the story in that he is a very... He's a bad person, but he's a good character in that he, they did a very good job with him of illustrating what that sort of unquestioning believer mindset looks like, where, where you can twist yourself into all sorts of knots to find a way for the bad guys to be bad, even if it doesn't make any sense or it contradicts the last reason they were bad. Well, and, and, but the fact is that he doesn't even know what an Albed looks like. He doesn't even know that their eyes are different. Judged by the fact that he doesn't even recognize Riku is an Albed until she straight up tells him. And I don't remember. I actually wanted to go back and, and watch that because I kind of forgot about this, but I wouldn't be surprised if his reaction to finding out Riku is an Albed is just like an Albed to lie about their heritage the whole time. I don't think he does anything like that because I think once... He's definitely mad about it. He's yeah. definitely upset. And he's like, I cannot believe you'd lie about it this whole time. And she's like, I didn't lie. I just never brought it up. It was one of those things where, how did you not know? Yeah, because everybody else already knew. That's the other problem is, so we find out, and Andrew and I both knew this before we played the game, that Lulu and Waka are having a baby together. So... And are you kidding me? She chose Waka, who spent the entire first campaign taking a dump all over the Albed. Come to find out, A, you've been traveling with one for half of the campaign, and B, Yuna, who who has been your childhood friend... Or, or or whatever they were. I think Lulu and Waka raised her sort of I, somehow. I think they were, they kind of grew up together, yeah. I yeah. think she got raised by the temple, if I remember correctly. Like, that was her well, actual... and Kamari. But they were right there helping yeah. her the whole time. And you have a deep-seated respect for Yuna, but you're still like, whoa, wait, you're in Albed? Really? It's not... He doesn't have that moment... When he finds out of, wow, maybe I'm wrong. He just has the, I can't believe you'd betray my trust like that knowing I don't like them. And Lulu, who knew the whole time, because she specifically says to Titus, yeah, please don't tell Waka. You're sitting there, you're now attracted to this ultimate racist? 
who spends the entire game being super racist against one of your party members that you really respect and admire for what she was going to do for Spira as a whole? Yuna, or Lulu, what is going on in your mind that Waka is an appropriate mate for you? You are so awesome and baller, and you chose, like, the worst possible person. To be fair, out of the people that we know, does she marry random NPC? Okay, maybe, but... But I don't like that in games in general, and even in television shows where a main character must hook up with another main character. I understand that, and I kind of agree, but I will say, he's literally the only option, (laughs) if you're following that metric. If you're following that metric, sure, but, like, Ren is an option. I thought Ren had somebody. I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is Waka super sucks. She should have got together with a Waka and been a traveling merchant with him. No, not a Waka. <laughs> no, I have high standards for Lulu. Okay, who would you like to have seen Lulu with? No one in the fi- in in this universe. I would have liked her to have hooked up with some like random dude that she met and built a relationship with in the last two years, but not Waka. Not the racist who has been continually dumping on one of your most beloved friends for an entire campaign. Like, Waka just sucks so hard. And from what I understand, is just a discount Chapu who she actually loved. Yeah, she kind of settled for sure i don't i'm not in any way disagreeing with you on that she absolutely did she said over and over throughout the first campaign there's no way you could ever compare to chapu and don't even try i would say they do warm up to each other more as the game goes on even in 10 i do remember that happening although it's been a while but so it's not completely out of left field but he warmed up to everybody because eventually he warmed up to riku too despite the fact that she was an albed yeah but they, Lulu and Waka specifically, definitely, she definitely started to respect him and be warmer to him than she was at first by the end of the game. I agree, but I still, I just have so much respect for Lulu, and I feel like Waka, for a myriad of reasons, is just the absolute worst. Whoever decided that they needed to hook up. I know a lot of it is, you know, like you, like we were saying, main characters have to hook up to get with main characters, and that's because the audience gets attached to them, and I get that, and I'm sure that's a lot of why they did it, but I don't disagree that she deserved way better than Waka. She definitely deserved way better than Waka. It, it would be like if we find out that this game ends... Titus is dead permanently and Yuna two years later has a child with brother. That's terrifying. Yes, I know. Just as terrifying as Lulu hooking up with Waka. No, I really think the brother one would be slightly more terrifying just because brother's been such an actual creep as opposed. Yes, I know that Waka had a very Waka had respect for Lulu, but I think most of it was out of fear. I mean, probably. Because he definitely spent the first part of that game being terrified of Lulu. To which the point, which is another reason of why didn't Lulu just tell him and be like, dude, get over your problems. Get over your racism. 
because you're ruining Yuna's trip. Why they didn't just tell him from the beginning, I don't know. Maybe because they needed a racist the entire game? I would assume they didn't tell him because they were afraid he wouldn't go. And to be fair, when the original plans were coming together, at that point it would have just been Kamari and Lulu, and that probably would not have been a successful pilgrimage if he hadn't come. Now, obviously, Titus and Aaron wind up, you know, they wind up getting more than that, but when they were originally planning it, because even with three Guardians, that already seemed like a lot, because everybody else that established only got a couple. Yeah. But Kamari's okay and all, but... I feel, but... Without Waka, in the original composition of the party, they would have had nobody who could have taken a hit, basically, because Kamari is pretty squishy, despite being the muscle beast. But that... I think that's just because that was the dynamic that that was from a play perspective from an actual world perspective. It was definitely implied that Kamari was very strong. Yes. I mean, it definitely seems like it implies that Ronzo are very strong, but it also specifically goes out of its way to point out repeatedly that Kamari was the runt and very weak for a Ronzo, but stronger than a human already weak Ronzo, but already stronger than a human, and in this case, Waka, who's only ever played Blitzball his whole life. I I feel like they only wanted him to go because he was friends with her, but... Also, I think he wanted to prove to, probably to Lulu, that he was at least as good as his brother, who died on a pilgrimage. He didn't die on a pilgrimage. I thought he did. No, his brother died fighting sin. Because he joined up with the Crusaders. Oh, for some reason I thought he was a Guardian. No, he was not a Guardian. Maybe, well, regardless, I'm sure from his perspective that's why he wanted to go, was to prove to Lulu that he was just as good as his brother. From what I understand, he wanted to go because him and Lulu grew up with Yuna. Yeah. And that was always the plan. The plan was the three of them were going to go on this pilgrimage together. But, so he grows up with Yuna on Besaid for for 10 years for the 10 years that she's there because that's during the calm and you're really going to tell me that in 10 years you still don't trust Yuna despite the fact that she's half Albed but he didn't know that i mean that doesn't make him not a racist or whatever but, but- what i'm saying is you should have told him at that point and and somehow he's suddenly going to be okay with it just because he's in the middle of a campaign already yeah no i don't get me wrong i'm not uh, like there's no defense for Waka's racism by any stretch, and to the game's credit, it doesn't try to act like there's a defense for Waka's racism, but to the game's detriment, it never really makes him learn the lesson that he's wrong. Exactly, and that's why I have a problem with him getting together with with Lulu, because she did not at all deserve, she did not need to settle for Waka. Of the main characters, I'd rather have Aaron stick around being dead and hook up with her than than Waka. Like he he just I just hate Waka so much and I have so much respect for Lulu as a character because she's way stronger than he ever was. Oh yeah. Personality-wise and she has fire. My favorite class. <laughs> oh yeah, she's the the black mage and so obviously, but no, I completely agree. She's a great character and i mean she she spends a lot of the game being like the aloof 
goth type, or at least comes off that way, but there's a lot more to her than that, and she's a good character who deserves better, absolutely. Because other than Yuna, she is the first person that's like, Titus, you know what? Maybe you are from Xanarkin. I really don't know what to believe at this point. Other than Yuna, she is the first person that sort of believes his story. And I honestly think she, I'm not even 100% convinced she actually believes it when she starts to say she does, so much as Yuna believes it, and that's enough for now. And yes, that is what she specifically says that. But at a certain point in the story, she also is like, after a certain point, she goes, you really do know nothing. Maybe it's true. She is... Of the party members, other than Yuna, who believes it immediately out of the gate, she is the first one that really is like, hey. Well, other than Aaron, but that doesn't count, because he knows. Well, yeah, Aaron definitely doesn't count. <laughs> but I mean, like, I guess to be fair, Aaron definitely believes. <laughs> yes, well, so does Titus. So, <laughs> okay, yes, but you can't count the person who's telling that story to believe the story. But if you can tell Aaron who's in the story, if you count him, you can. I can count Titus too. So All in right. reality, Titus is the first one who finds out, and then you know, no, Aaron actually finds out first because he specifically went back to get him. There you go. So Aaron finds out first, then Titus finds out, then Yuna finds out, then Lulu. So she's, what, the fourth? Yeah. <laughs> I guess she's not so cool about that now, huh? Yeah, no, she, that's, that's, that takes some points away. She's still <laughs> astronomically far ahead from even Titus as being one of the coolest characters. Oh, in for sure. The, my favorite party members were always Lulu and Aaron. Unfortunately, I didn't use Lulu nearly as much, but just because of, especially as you got farther in and the magic became less necessary. So yeah, that's my big disappointment for this game is I feel like Lulu has to settle. And to me, that's just a real bad rap for her because I, I just despise Waka so much. And yeah, that's me. You know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people in relationships where I would hate the dude, but like the girl or vice versa <laughs> or vice versa. Uh, I just generally don't like men, so <laughs> <laughs> like I, I I can only use that that. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and give me what your expectations are based off of where you're at? And I assume we're just talking like short term between now and the next session. Yeah, I'll, I'll t probably try to be more general, just because I'm farther along than you. Well, for my own personal progress, I'm expecting by next time I will probably be done with chapter one and into decently into chapter two what i think is going to happen let's see i am sure i will be run interacting with waka and lulu here coming up uh because i'm not too far from besaid i think the only major area that's left that has any real time to it between now and then is the calm lands also i'm not sure what i f feel like is going to happen in xanarkand that seems like the most like it being the other hot spot in chapter one I definitely think that in Xanarkand, the main plot is going to pick back up with the hunt for Titus. It just feels like the right place for that. Yeah. So I'm expecting something to happen there. I'm also kind of intrigued by that sphere from Mount Gagazet about the there she is or whatever from the original Xanarkand that everybody was excited about. Some, like some kind of celebrity. I can't believe I got tickets. Yeah. 
I'm curious if we're going to learn more about that when we get to Xanarkand. Because it's some famous lady, and I have kind of a hunch, and I don't know if I want to go out on the limb here, but I'm wondering if that famous lady, because it's someone that they would be getting tickets to or whatever, and my first thought is concert, and that makes me wonder if that's the lady who Yuna was channeling when she danced for the for that dress fair. I feel like it would have to be, because that's how they got... That's the one that turned into the dress fair. No, that one turned into Black Mage, because we already had the song dress fair. But I thought that was the one that was considered the... Oh, no, so maybe we didn't see what the dress fair one was. If it was if it was anything, it would have been the one they found that had the recording of T- Titus in it. No, that one wasn't it. Th- this one was... Uh, the song one was... The song one was the one LeBlanc had stolen. Yeah, and I don't think... I don't think any of the dress spheres, except for Black Mage so far, has an actual video attached re- to it. Recording yeah. attached to it. I think that's. I don't think there is either, at least so far. Because he did say, but but then again, but he how? But he specifically mentioned I can use it as a as that a sphere. The personality of the per, uh, of the person that makes the dress sphere sometimes can channel through, and that's given that we saw. The first interaction with that sphere was in the concert, and then that, it just makes me wonder if that is the person and if that's going to wind up being important in some way. That's fine, and and I get what you're saying, but what I'm saying, but so how did we get Black Mage from a nothing sphere then? That makes no sense at all, because in, in that same statement, we said that that's where you got the Black Mage. Nothing happened in that sphere. It was just people from Xanarkand, which powers didn't even exist then. How did you channel anything from that? I don't know. I mentioned it last last time, but I'd really like to learn more about spheres and just what they are. But that's probably a more long-term hope. I don't think that's anything that's going to be happening in Chapter 1. I don't know if they're ever even going to go into it at all. I wouldn't be surprised if they skip it, but I just kind of really hope they do. I, I'm I'm just really curious about it after two games of establishing that Spheres can do all these different wild things. I think Spheres is just their MacGuffin. Yeah, I mean, that's really probably correct. Whenever we need something to do something, there's a Sphere for it. It kind of seems like that's just their... This is the thing that exists that allows them to have modern technology that is just... That's how it works. Yeah. So what about you? What are you thinking? I, I'm... So I, I, I'm thinking along the same lines that you are as far as Xanarkin is concerned. I I am hoping that Brother becomes less of a creep because in one of the hot spots, because there, there's two, because there, you get another one because there's one at Bick, Bicknell. Have you been oh, there Bicknell yet? Desert. Yeah, I did that one. Okay. Well, so you'll know that this happens in Besaide. Every time you make a little bit of progress... He like contacts Yuna and is like, Hey, what's going on? Hey, what's happening? Why aren't you back yet? What is hat? He is. He's upset. He's the creepy ex-girlfriend meme. Basically. They're not creepy. Overly attached girlfriend is the one I was thinking of. He. Except not even being that he's the I'm obsessive hoping guy. that they address that in some way in the near future, because he is borderline obsessed. I, I doubt they're going to address it, but I do suspect he will probably become less relevant as the game goes on and just fade to the background. But I would be pretty surprised if they actually directly address it, which is a shame because I wish they would do that as well. 
And I hope that's the case because he is becoming a, he, if he isn't already, he's obsessed. He's yeah. Obsessive because what he's doing now is not cool. No, he is absolutely a creeper and in like the worst possible way. But unfortunately I feel like this is one of those instances where he's meant to be played for laughs rather than acknowledging what a creeper he is. But it's not even funny. No, at all. I don't think it is. But a lot of times, I don't think that's funny. But that's the point of it. Is the point is to be a haha, look at the goofy obsessed guy. Which I don't. I hate that trope. But I think that's what this is. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. You're you're probably right. It's just to me, it's it seems way way more seems just way more prevalent. Than, than what I would expect for the, you know, jealous type. Because even when Titus realized that he started to like Yuna in the first game, when she was going to mar- marry Seymour, he wasn't constantly bringing it up. Like, he wasn't... When we were doing a mission, the very next mission that he found out this was happening, he wasn't, like, stopping in the middle of it and going, Yuna, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you positive? Do you really want this? What's going on? He, he kind of... He he acted more like everybody else was crazy for just she is making this decision for everybody else instead of for her. Well, yeah, but that's because he's the hero archetype and brother is very much not that. He's definitely not, but I don't know, man. When you get to Besaid, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, it's, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just as bad as you say, because every interaction that brother has had has been terrible. The best thing about Brother so far in the entire game is the part where you can just run on top of him and listen to him ache and groan in pain. Yeah. That's like the only positive thing about him so far. And that's really weird from a guy who was such a minor character in the first game and barely spoke. It's like they took the fact that... It's like they took the the, the sidelines of him going, Hey, Yuna, you're pretty... And times that by like a thousand, put it into an AI and just said, come up with brother's personality. We made an AI watch a thousand episodes of creepy love, love dramas. And this is the script it made. (laughs) (laughs) This has been episode two. And I hope you've been enjoying uh, your experience. So we'll be back next week with more final fantasy 10 too. And like Andrew said, we are probably going to try to get a couple hours into chapter two. I, I, depending on how much time we would have, I'll probably end up maybe getting halfway through chapter two. Depends on how long it is. Yeah. And it'll also just depend on for Chris. I'm sure he'll breeze through a lot of the stuff because he's over leveled and it might take me a little bit longer. It'll depend on how long Andrew takes to, to, to finish uh, the smallest of parts. Ouch. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the second episode of video games cover to cover. We'll see you next time. But remember, I hate Waka. (laughs) 